Hello, everyone. Evan Wickham here from Park Hill Church, San Diego. So glad you're tuning into the podcast. We are celebrating five years as a church in San Diego. This Christmas Eve is our five-year anniversary. It's hard to believe. And God's faithfulness to this church has been so amazing. And we are celebrating by encouraging our community to grow in generosity and giving to Park Hill Church. So I just want to say at the beginning of this teaching, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, if the teachings out of Park Hill Church have helped you and equipped you in your life of discipleship to Jesus, we would love to invite you to prayerfully consider giving a year-end, five-year gift to Park Hill Church through our website, parkhillsd.church. All right, let's get to the teaching. All right, so without any further delay, you guys, how many of you have heard of uh, Luis Palau, the evangelist? Luis Palau, anybody? Yeah, oh, tons. So for 50 years, uh, the, the Luis Palau Association and ministry has covered the planet with the good news in many ways and still continues to do so. Millions of people are hearing the gospel through multiple channels all the time through this incredible, uh, this incredible network, really. And they don't just preach the gospel in one-time moments. They also have networks of evangelists all over the world that they're training and encouraging, and churches are unifying. Anyways, I could go on and on, uh, but I'm not going to. The next 30, 40 minutes are going to be a joy and a beautiful invitation. Again, the waters of baptism are open. So uh, uh, you're going to hear Luis Palau went to be with Jesus last year. He passed away. And his family is pushing the ministry forward by the power of the Spirit. And you're going to hear from his son right now. Please give it up for Andrew Palau. Oh, I love you, Evan. You're amazing. You guys have an amazing pastor and Evan and Sandy, I see Sandy back there, just met the two boys. I think we might have met sometime in the past, but uh, it's great to be here. Finally, I've been angling for an invitation here for a long time, but especially got serious about it when my son Jonathan, who's here, wave your hand, John, John, Woo! bring it. My son Jonathan lives behind the Denny's on Rosecrans, basically, am I right? Is that a good description? And he's here with, with friends, had studied at Pepperdine, his girlfriend Lydia's here, and her family from Ni- Minneapolis, and I mean, like, we got a whole gang here. We got serious. When you invited us, we went for it. And my beautiful wife Wendy is here. The first service got none of this, okay? It was just me, poor fellows. Uh, and then, but here's a picture of my family, the bigger part of it, a little bit bigger. There's Wendy, she's right there. Jonathan, man bun, right there. Uh, Christopher... He's uh, in Nashville, and my daughter Sadie, she's from Ethiopia, uh, and she's 15 last week, and she's back in Portland, Oregon, which is where our headquarters, international headquarters are there, uh, as well as uh, our family. We're from Oregon. So that's a little bit about us, and it's a privilege to be here, to serve together, you know. We really see ourselves as really a part of big, a big effort around the world together. And you think of the, like Evan said earlier, billions of people around the world, as so many love and know and follow Jesus Christ, and on, the, on Sundays they're gathering and worshiping. We're part of this big, massive effort, and it's great uh, to serve and to live life together and to be with you here today. It's a great, a great blessing. My heart is full, so I'm going to have to be careful. Oh, I'm supposed to start my timer. That's important, you guys. 
I'm so low tech, I got my notes all written out, which is really weird. Very few people do that anymore. Uh, come and get a glimpse if you want to see something old. But I have my timer on my phone, which is very technical. So that's why they gave me this little thing. Super tech. There it is. Uh, but uh, it's great to be here. And, and when we talked about this the first time, it was way back in August, I think, maybe, uh, of last year. And Evan and I and Sandy, we were together doing some things together around the ministry. Uh, thanks for partnering with us and sharing them with us in the ways that that works out. We're super grateful. Uh, and we're looking forward to good days ahead. But, um, but it was August, and um, I was sort of angling for an invite. And, uh, and Evan said, oh, you should come speak at a church sometime. I'm like, I wish you, I thought you'd never ask. This is great. And he said, we're preaching on Revelation. I'm like, oh, Revelation is super complicated. Uh, but he said, well, you would have Revelation 21. I'm like, I love Revelation 21. That's perfect. I would love to preach on that. But, uh, and then right then, our church, Cedar Mill Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, was going into a series on Revelation. And we're going on, I think, into the new year. There's so, it's such a rich uh, uh, part of the Bible, the, the last book of the Bible as we read it, the revelation of Jesus Christ from Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? It's like Jesus himself. If you're wondering, like, how legit is this? It's like from Jesus to you, to us, to understand about him. That's pretty profound and worth paying a lot of attention to. So I'm glad you guys have taken the time uh, to do that. And um, at, at the very start, uh, I went back just recently and started listening to them. I listened to Evan's launch back in September. He was, he was talking about this place, how hot it was. It was like obviously a very hot day that day. Like, I can't stand it. It's hot. It's like, you know, there's pictures and discussions about eternity and heaven and hell. And I'm going to talk about that today. Uh, and I think he was saying, it's like hell in here. That's how hot it is, right? But it's not hot like that today. This is a perfect, beautiful day. I love this place place in this building. But in that early introduction, all the way back in September, Evan was reminding us, and I want to remind you again today, like you see that climactic Revelation 21, 1 through 8 passage, and it's like everything is coming together. The new Jerusalem, heaven come down, and everything is becoming new, and, and the ultimate justice and judgment of God is being proclaimed. It's, it's a bit overwhelming. If you haven't been to church ever or for a while, you're like, whoa, that is like the Big deal right there uh, out of nowhere. But, but don't worry because I always have believed, and I know this is true, God always gives you everything you need in the moment you're in to respond to his beautiful gift. So don't be overly overwhelmed by it. Just receive it as for you today. And that's what Evan was started talking about when he launched this series. He reminded us and reminded you, I encourage you to go back and listen to the launch series online, you know, or on like, what do you do? Podcasts. You can get the podcast. Look at it. Listen to it. And then, uh, and that will kind of re reframe a lot of this for you. And then there was also a great thing that Josh Butler did about hell. And uh, what does the Bible mean by that? And I mean, I just sort of felt like we should just listen to that again on first Sunday. But uh, I want to move more from some of the beautiful. Josh was, is so gifted and has put so much energy into understanding the, what the Bible means and what it says and we'll, how we apply it to ourselves. I'm going to kind of take it a little more big picture and just say to you, um, what does it mean to you today? What does all of this mean for you, for us this uh, series reminds us that Jesus is coming again. And that's the picture. Uh, I'm going to read it again in, in a little bit. He's coming again, and uh, the reading says it's just going to be like that. 
This is just what it's going to be like. It's a little overwhelming, a little probably bigger than we can imagine, but he's given us everything we need to understand what we need to understand and respond. Um, so Jesus is coming again. He came already, right? That's what we're celebrating, Christmas, right? We know a lot more about that because we got Christmas, right? And we, we, we prepare for it. Even unchurched or non-church or non-Christian people know quite a bit about Christmas because they know about Jesus coming and uh, beginning his life in that 33-year time where he came to show us what he was trying to tell us, to show us and teach us about love and to show us what love really means. He came for that purpose to, uh, to make things right between us and him as it was intended to be. And, and the thing about this whole uh, reality of Jesus coming again, this is what Evan launched us off to say, is that expect, the expectation of the reality that Jesus Christ is coming again, the main thing it should do is bring you hope. That is the purpose uh, and the expectation. Why he gave us the revelation is that your heart and your life would be marked and full of hope. Even in this middle place, as Evan described it, this time in between, there is great hope for you. And that is why the book is here. You are blessed to read it. So I, I, I urge you to go back and listen to the podcast, the first one and the ones from um, Josh. Uh, I think that was Halloween. It was Halloween Sunday. And then, then, and then there's another podcast answering some extra questions. That will be really encouraging to you. But it brings hope and it brings a perspective uh, that is the right perspective for how God would want you to see life and live life, taking us away from the superficial perspective that the world draws us to, uh, to a supernatural perspective um, that God wants you to have of your life and what's happening in this world and all around you. And, uh, and, uh, and what he wants you to understand is that there is much more to life than the world would want you to believe. The world wants to minimize and caricature uh, and cartoonize the realities and the serious nature of life and death and hell and heaven and eternity. But God wants you to think soberly and joyfully and rightly about these very, very deep truths. He wants you to know. He does not want you wondering or guessing or in the dark. He wants you to have confidence and joy and hope about eternity. So the revelation should lead you to a revolutionizing of your life. This revelation should revolutionize your life. And not just the end part, like, oh yeah, that eternity thing. I gotta figure that out, I gotta deal with it someday. No, no, no. He wants to revolutionize the entirety of your life. And there's no separation between these aspects of your life. In fact, the revolutionizing of your life that God calls you to is for all of it, it, it covers your past, Past, and it deals with that. I'm going to tell you, I, I wish, I'm going to kind of focus on the one part a little more, but I want to touch for sure so you can understand how, how full it is. Your past, your present, so he cares about your past and settling things once and for all related to that. He cares about your present, your day-to-day, -day, how you're going to go forward from here on. And he cares about that eternal reality, the full nature of the future of your life and this world. So 
Let him revolutionize your life today. I urge you to do it. Um, and, and the emphasis will be a little bit on the future, but it impacts today. Um, and uh, it's all connected, and uh, I already talked about all that. So Christians um, sometimes have a joyful perspective about eternity, but we, it's a very serious thing as well. We don't take it lightly. The Bible talks about death as the final enemy, right? And, and uh, it, so we, we take it seriously. We don't want to make light of it, even though we have this hopefulness and joyfulness about it. We want everybody to be ready. So it, it gets us fired up, and that's why we talk so much about it. And if you think we talk too much about it, you're probably wrong. We should talk more about it, right? C.S. Lewis, who I've heard in listening to you guys have talked a little bit about that. I love him. love reading his, uh, uh, his books and his teachings. But he said this. When you read history, you find that the Christians who have made the greatest impact on this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world and eternity. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, only focusing on this one, that they have become so ineffective in this world. So you're wise to put this time aside and wise to really consider deeply these things and reread Revelation. I would read it every year. You know, you started off saying it and it says about itself that for those who read it uh, and those who hear it, there, it has an attached blessing. It's like, oh, for, I, I was reading this like about a year ago and I read it, I was in this part, probably exactly a year ago because I read through the Bible every year and I was in Revelation and, and I read it and it says, oh, there's a blessing attached to those who read it and those who read it out loud. So I'm like, Wendy, come here. It's like, what? I'm like, we read the Bible a little bit to each other, but I'm like, you got 35 minutes because I'm going to read the Revelation to you because it's got a blessing attached for you and for me. So I read it. It was really cool. And now here we are focusing in more on it. And I love how the Lord just does all these things. But it's really important. And that is what today is all about. God brought you here. It's not an accident or circumstantial that you've come. Whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be very blessed for considering these things. Whether you're maybe new uh, to church or have never given your life to Christ, or maybe you've known him in the past, but you feel like, I'm so far from him. What does this really have to do with me today? Isn't it too late for me? Look how far I've gone. No matter where you're coming from, this is rich, and it's for you. I want to talk to you this morning, today, about eternity and the end of life and how to get to heaven from Point Loma. Is that where we are, Point Loma? Yeah. You can know here and now, today, from this moment forward, you can respond to the good news, the gospel, this gift, and secure your eternal situation. Now, that's amazing. That can all happen today. I want you all ready for that day. And the whole idea of what happens when you die, it's the question of the ages. It's the questions of the world. We go around the world. I'm I, I, I spent my first 27 years not walking with God, even though I had a great Christian home and a great church. I just, I'll tell you a little bit about that. I just love to party, bottom line. 27 years, knew all about God, heard about him, never responded to say yes in the way that I'm going to call you to today. Just rebelled against God, I guess you would say, for sure, big time. And then 27 years before I knew God, and it's almost like a little bit more than 27 years since that time. And in that, those years since that time, I've worked with my dad in this ministry and grew in my faith, and here I am now preaching. And it's like a, the most hysterical thing. My fraternity buddies think that's pretty great, that I'm an evangelist. Like, what? Andrew's an evangelist. That's crazy. But... Um, it is crazy, and I love it. You never know. God might make you an evangelist. You're probably an evangelist too. But uh, 
So since then, I've been traveling around the world, telling people about the, what God did in my life and what the Bible says, and then telling them, you got to know Jesus, man. This is the way to live. That's my job. But, uh, and, and I realize all around the world, the questions are the same. And you know, you always want to be culturally relevant and understand societal differences and all that. But the most amazing thing is the heart and the soul of every single being on this planet comes down to these incredible, fundamental, foundational realities. Who am I? Where did I come from? What is the purpose of my life? What about eternity and heaven and hell? And no matter what background, it comes down to these things. And, you know, for us in our family, we've thought quite a lot about it for a number of reasons, one of which is that my dad, as Evan mentioned, he was unbelievable. He was larger than life. I mean, he took up a lot of space in all the best ways, right? He, he, he was a, a big figure, very charismatic and, and, uh, and loving, and everybody loved him. And, like, if you listen to his radio program, like, just hearing his voice, it's like, it just drew you. But so we miss him, you know? That's a lot of space to fill up without him. And uh, he was 86. He was working hard to the end of his life. Uh, he was in England visiting pastors and doing the things that he did. And um, he came back with mom and he had this cough and he didn't really get sick that much and it lingered and we're like, dad, you're so annoying. Why don't you go to the doctor? He didn't want to go to the doctor, you know? He was from Argentina and he was super macho and he's like, I don't go to the doctor. And I, yeah, I go. Finally, we got him to go to the doctor. Lo and behold, he comes back and very quickly they were able to determine like, I'm so sorry, Luis, to tell you, but it's incurable, stage four lung cancer, three to six months to live. Wow, and he had lived a full life. He was 86, you know, well, at that time, he was 80, like three or something. And we're like, wow, it's sort of stunning and shocking. We kind of felt as ready as we could be. You know, he talked a lot about heaven all of his life, but then when you're faced with it, it, it really ca captures your heart. And we were heartbroken and we cried a lot of tears, you know, and just because you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have your confidence about eternity, it doesn't mean that you don't feel the effects of death and dying, especially dad said, I don't want to, I don't mind dying so much. It's the process. It's killing me. I'm like, all right, dad, that's funny. We get it. But we don't take it lightly. The Bible says death is the final enemy. So there's a lot of tears and the sadness and for my mom, the loneliness of missing him. But, you know, in the middle of it all, the most amazing thing to watch in his life and in my mom's and experience for my very own self is that when you walk with Jesus Christ and you have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God in you, which is part of the gospel reality, I'll talk to you a little bit about that today, you see that you, you still experience the grief, but you have in the midst of it an incredible hopefulness and an expectation and a joy. And, and in 1 Thessalonians, it, it describes it, it says, we do not mourn as those who have no hope. And it doesn't say we don't mourn, we mourn, you know, we mourn deeply, maybe even more deeply. Uh, we feel that sadness, but not as those who have no hope. And the reason we have confidence about what Dad's deal is, is because when he would testify all his life, when he was a 12-year-old boy, he was in Argentina where he was born and raised, and, uh, and he went to a camp, and he had seen his dad come to faith as, later in life and saw the change in his life, and then this counselor sat him down on a log at a camp in a rain, and it was like starting to rain, and he's told this story a thousand times, starting to rain, the counselor was kind of in a hurry, so he's like rushing him, like, okay, Luis, you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell? And my dad, 12 years old, is like, I'm going to hell. Why are you going to hell? 
because I've got a dirty mouth and I'm mean to my sisters. And like, so he's very conscientious of his sin. And it's like, he wasn't wrong, you know? It's not a level or a degree of sin. It's just that we're separated from God by the sin of our life and our sinful ways and our wicked hearts. And he understood it. And the counselor said, oh, wow, you, you seem to have it pretty clear in your head. And he's like, yeah, uh, do you want to go there, Luis? And he said, no. Do you want to go to heaven? Yes, I do. Do you know how to get there? How? And he told him about the cross of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to pay the penalty that we should have paid for the forgiveness of our sins and the revolutionizing of our past. And we talked about that. Your past can be dealt with through the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he said, I believe that. And he received and he began to walk with God. And he went all the way to the end of his life, uh, fired up about the, the rescue operation that God had undertook in his life. And it's because of that that we have the hope for Luis Palau about where he is. And, and so we've been thinking about it a lot, but if you're not ready, it is a very fearful proposition. The fear of the unknown is one of the greatest fears there is, besides public speaking, which you guys are making me nervous all the time. Most people don't like it. I don't say I love it, but the Lord called me to do it, so I do it. But there's these fear of the unknown is a significant, huge fear, especially when it's related to your eternal situation and you hear all these things that you hear from the Word of God about what it's like to not have it settled. Today, I want you to settle it. You feel discouraged at times, hopeless, fearful, um, uh, depressed about life. I want you to come to Jesus today and say, I need hope. Please be my Savior. You can just do this, have this spiritual transaction that will deal with your past, your present, and your future. And everybody's interested, what happens? Can I know with certainty? What does the Bible say? He says a lot. The first thing you need to know in the middle of it all is this, God loves you. If you could take the whole Bible from start to finish, you're going to see this incredible theme without fail. The one thing you need to understand is God loves loves you, and he loves you with an everlasting love. And it's so beautiful. I wanted you to make sure that I got that out so that you heard it loud and clear. And if you leave here with nothing else in your mind, you know the truth of the matter is God loves you. Um, and uh, the second thing I want you to know is that he's made this offer of this gift, but there is a decision to be made. I guess you could say a response to that gift. Just like any other gift, it's like here, there it is. It's offered to you, but it's in a sense that transaction doesn't occur. It's not yours until you receive it and you take it for yourself. So I want to uh, challenge you to be ready that when we come to the end of this time, I'm going to offer that to you in Jesus' name. And you can take a step of faith. I'm sure there's no way you could say, like, now I understand it all, but you will understand that God is calling you, he's prepared your heart, and you can take a step of faith to believe in him and to receive this beautiful gift, and it will transform your life, past, present, and future. And if you say, like a lot of people will say around the world, when I talk to them about eternity, they'll say, like, yeah, I get it, uh, and it's serious, and I'll deal with it for sure, but later, like right now, I'm kind of busy, I'm young, I got things going, and... I have a lot of questions and I got to settle a lot of things and get myself organized before I deal with it, but not today, I'll do it later. Well, you got a huge problem if you think this, that you're going to wait until the day before you die to settle this issue of eternity. First of all, you've got a real problem if you think that because you'll waste the opportunity that is here for you to live at peace with God in relationship with him in the meantime. And that's a big deal. Like you notice uh, uh, Evan was mentioning 
that there's that picture in that coming of, of, of Jesus coming again. And he says he comes like, and he paints this picture to help us understand what he's after and what it's like. He's, he gives us that picture of the marriage. Like, I'm coming to be unified with you and with my church in such a way that the best thing that I can do as a picture to help you understand it is that it would be like a, like a man and a wife beautifully married in union. And that's what it's going to be like. He has that picture before us. He, don't wait until the day before you die to engage in that because it's ready for you now and it's for today, not just for later. So you don't waste the opportunity for today. Don't waste the opportunity to enjoy his presence and his benefits because they are significant. And we also know, related to like why wait, is um, guidance and good decision making in life is always related to knowing what your goal is. Am I right? Like if you're in business or whatever, you're like... What are we trying to do? If it's unclear or hazy and we don't really know, then you're just going to wander around. You're going to waste money. You're never going to get to your goal. And, and there's this old saying that you may have heard, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it every time. Remember that old saying, right? And related to eternity, you got to figure it out. And you can. So why wouldn't you? Last reason on this argument that I have for you to give your life to Jesus today, Ecclesiastes 9.12, the wisdom literature of the Word of God, Ecclesiastes 9.12. No man knows when his hour will come, as fish are caught in a cruel net, or a bird is taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. And I think the bottom line of what he's trying to say there is, God never promises us tomorrow. And in the Word of God, He makes many, many promises, and they're all worth knowing and understanding and grabbing for yourself, but He never promises tomorrow. Um, and so, settle it today. Um, we, we got serious about this a few years back in our family, hearing the plane go over. Um, my wife is from Jamaica. Hallelujah. It's great to go. Every Christmas we get to go to Jamaica, right? So we're living in uh, Oregon and it's freezing cold every winter. And right around like uh, Christmas time, like in a couple weeks, we're going to Jamaica. Sorry. Well, you guys are here. What do you care? You're warm and sunny. You got palm trees and beaches. Not in Oregon. So it's great. Um, and, uh, and we go out there. We have such a great time. But we got to get to Miami. We got to Miami a few years ago. Jonathan, Christopher, my daughter Sadie, all of us on this, you know, American Airlines 737 headed to Jamaica. It was stormy. The plane was like super late, delayed hours and hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to spend the night in Miami. We want to get to Jamaica. But everybody in the, like, even in the, even in the little, uh, what do you call it? The terminal? No, the uh, gate. You know, you go to the gate and you're like, there's the Jamaicans. You can just hear them. You know it's them. There they are. They're having so much fun. They're going to Christmas, Jamaica Christmas. Two degrees of separation, it's a small island, everyone knows everybody, and they're all going home, pre-celebration, on the plane, going over there, it's always a lot of fun, a lot of chatter and whooping and hollering and all the rest. So we're on the plane, Wendy's talking to people, because she knows everybody, and um, me and the kids are there, and it's bumpy, even right from the start, the, the captain says, we're not going to be serving drinks on this plane because it's too rough. We're like, who cares? We're going to Jamaica, right? A lot of joy, laughter. We're coming in, and uh, we're circling and circling. We're like, oh, my gosh, are we ever going to land this thing? And we come in to land the plane, and without any warning, without any sort of caution or, or uh, you know, red lights blaring or, like, brace, brace, all of a sudden, 
everything went black as we attempted to land in the most horrendous, crushing, indescribable, loud uh, crash. All of a sudden, everything went black. For me personally, I just went black. And one second, it's bright. You're in this party tube, you know, going to Jamaica. And you're super comfortable and everything is light and bright. And then, boom, lights out. Everything's black. And in that moment, I knew we have crashed. And we crash on the beach in Jamaica. We missed the runway in the squall of a rainstorm. There we were. And I thought to myself immediately, I just thought, I'm dead because it's pitch black, lights out. And I, I mean, I always thought if you crash, you're dead, right? Not a bad way to go. Quick, and then you're there, right? Lo and behold, I'm not dead. How did I know I wasn't dead? Because the wind and the rain in the pitch black were blowing in my face. I was like, wow, what is happening? The next thought, I'm like, okay, you're not dead because you feel, I felt rain. Like, what is happening? Where's this rain and this wind coming from? Because it broke open and the wind was blowing through there. The next thought in my mind immediately is like, is anybody else alive in here? And that was a horrifying thought because, of course, I'm like in the pitch black. I can't see what's happening with my boys sitting next to me. I can't see what's happening with my wife and my daughter behind me. And all of a sudden, you know, they say, if there's ever an emergency, you know, all these things will happen. One of them is a light will turn on. You're like, really? What kind of light's going to turn on in a plane crash? Lo and behold, light comes on. Little sort of like glow-in-the-dark sort of light, you know, like yellowy kind of glow, and I could see everything, and I looked to Jonathan and Christopher, and they were littler guys, I'm like, are you guys okay? And they're like, we're okay, we're okay. It's like, okay, good. I turn around, and I see Wendy's face, I'm like, are you okay, babe? And she's like, I'm okay. And I looked, and I'm like, where's the baby? I'm like, our baby Sadie, I'm like, she's not there where she should be, and we realized that the car seat she was in was flipped forward into the footwell. I was like, oh, God, I just don't want to see. And we grabbed the thing. We pulled it up. And there's Sadie. Wah! I'm like, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we grabbed Sadie. We jumped off that wing. Yeah, that wing and ran off into the dark. And in that horrifying moment, I just knew the hand of God guiding us, directing us. And the thing that we learned so many things on that day but one of the most important things that I realized on that day, God doesn't promise tomorrow, and I don't want to waste a single day of my life. I pledge to the Lord in that time. He is so good. And every newspaper in Jamaica, there's only two, had the same headline, Miracle in Jamaica. And I was like, yes, God, in the enemy had a desire to destroy us all. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to, for one purpose only, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he would do it every day if he had the opportunity and the freedom to do it. He had that design for us, but God in his mercy rescued every one of us on that plane. All 150 or whatever it was survived in a miraculous way. And I believe it was for a purpose, many purposes, but the one that I share with you today is that I hear to tell you God doesn't promise tomorrow. I want every one of you ready for that day. And you're not alone. Uh, you know, the Bible says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to their own way. You say, I'm not ready. You have no idea what I've done. You, know, you have no idea how far from the Lord I am. You have no idea what's happened to me in my life, the abuses I've suffered, the abandonment, and the sadness of my life. And everybody else has all these advantages. The enemy loves to separate you and make you feel isolated and alone as if no one would understand. But this 
passage in Isaiah 53, and it's repeated again in Hebrews, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to their own way. Then he goes on to say, but God laid on Jesus the sins of us all. So no matter how far you've gone, no matter the circumstances of your life, it's not too late for you. In fact, don't wait until it's too late. Today is your day. I want you all ready to stand before God in that great day that is described, and we're going to read it again. But the most amazing thing is that God, through his son Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, he lived and suffered and died, but not on accident. He says, no one takes my life from me, he said. I give it up willingly. He came for this purpose. His very purpose was to live and love, teach and express that love and reveal it ultimately when he died on the cross. He says, greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their lives for another. And he did it, and he did it for you, for that very purpose. But he didn't die and stay dead. He rose again from the dead with power. And the very next thing in the history of the world that we can be certain of from the Word of God is that he is coming again. The Bible is full of information about it. And you know, you can't inherit it. Uh, you can't earn it. It's not like your good works would outweigh your bad works to some degree that if you happen to time it right at the right moment, like I hope I die when my good works are up, you know. Uh, it's not like that. That's not anything about what he talks about. Uh, and, and it's not like in comparison to others either. Like, like I'm sure I'm going to be up on the other half. Like is it a half or is it an 80-20 principle? What is it, you know? Who, it's not about that at all. It's not about getting ready in that sense. It's about recognizing and confessing and realize that you will never be good enough and, and earn it in your own sense. It's a gift of God that you can receive and have eternal life. Uh, let me share, and like I thought, if anybody could have like claimed like, my background alone should be good enough, like not on my merits, but on my parents. You know, I inherited this Christian faith because my, my dad was a preacher and he was a great guy. And my mom was, and they were faithful and I had a great church. But you know, I was born and raised in a great Christian home, but I'm ashamed to say from the youngest of ages, I told you already, I just loved to party and turn my back on the things of God and the way of my family. And I just raced after all those other things. The world clamors for your attention, right? And it says, come on, let's live it up. This is the way to go. Let's party. And you look at these different ways that the world draws you towards, and it's like bright and shiny and fun. And, 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 and it says, come on, live it up. And you're like, I'm going to live it up. And that's the direction I went. Time after time after time. The Bible says there's a way that looks right to a person, and that's how the world draws you in this, this allure, like this is the way you do it. It's fun. The consequences, forget about those. And I went after that time after time and again. And my dad would always warn me, the Word of God says, there's a way that looks right to a person, and it does look right. Am I right? Like, which one of you ever went down one of these paths that is bright and shiny and fun and everyone's calling you down it, yeah? Me too. And, and then, and, and you didn't say, I'm going down this path and here's the reason why. My plan in all of this is to just destroy my life. That's my plan. I just, it looks good. 
I know it leads to death, but I don't care. I just, that's my plan. No, there's a way it looks right to you, but the Bible warns in the end it leads to death. How I wish I would have listened to my parents. He warned me, but I just kept going and going. I love my sin so much. So through high school, at the university, I went to University of Oregon, go Ducks, and I was in a fraternity there. Yes, I saw, I saw a go Ducks sign back there. Throw your O. Oh, well, not, yeah, there's one. Um, not a Sunday school picnic at the Beta House there at the University of Oregon. Outside of the constraints of home, I really went downhill fast and just heaped into my life all of the garbage, lying, cheating, stealing, arrogant, pridefulness, all that garbage. The, 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 the relationships that go with that lifestyle, it's just so shameful and so painful. And the world says, this is how you do it. And I sort of knew better, but I went anyway. And there it is. There's a way that looks right. And in the end, it leads to death. And it's not just the death we're talking about related to eternity. That's a real part of it and significant. I don't want to minimize that. But it's much more than that. It's the death of hopefulness in life, the death of relationships, the death of vision and the death of dreams and the hope that something good can come of your life. The more you go down those paths and you see the end result of them, there's a way it looks right, it leads to death. But God offers a beautiful alternative and it is the way that we're looking at today. Uh, uh, I was 27 years old when my parents, they had tried everything and they'd been praying for me a lot. So the things my parents did is they they looked at the Word of God and they saw there's great power in prayer. So they had done everything in their power to help me understand what they believed and what the Bible says, but they knew that every one of us has to make their own response to the gift. So they prayed for me. Uh, they knew if there was anything good going to happen in my life, it would be God's work. And they prayed, and there's great power in prayer. Uh, like, I, we've been praying for you. So you may have come here today and you're like, what am I even doing here? You know, how did I get here? You see that God is orchestrating your life and your circumstances. And here you are feeling this challenge, getting ready for this invitation. Uh, I know I kind of felt that, that pressure coming on me over the years. And it was a result of prayer. I'm not surprised if God's doing that in your life because we've been praying that he would do that. Uh, reveal himself to you is really what we're asking, that you would, he would reveal himself to you. Uh, to know that this call is for you and it's personal and it's from him uh, to bring reconciliation in your life between you and him and the beginning of new life. So my parents, they prayed for me and they also shared the, this message with me because the Bible says about this good news message, uh, it says we're not ashamed, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation, right? So they weren't ashamed of it, but they also didn't want to like shove it down my throat. So they're always trying to figure out like, when is the right time to share this with my son, especially that obnoxious son, Andrew, you know, but they never gave up and they tried everything. Dad would like take me on walks. And, uh, you know, when I was little and he could get his hands around me, he'd say, son, uh, I got to talk to you. We're going for a walk in the morning. I'd be like, oh no, not the walk. Oh, awkward, <laughs> super awkward. Right. You know, what's coming. And he's like, Get me up in the morning, and it's obviously raining in Portland, Oregon. It's like we walk down the streets. Son, you're, you're a good kid. We love you. you got lots of friends. You know how to have a good time. You're doing well at school. But as a father who loves you, I have to warn you that the way that you're looking for life, you know, you're looking for life, but there's a way it seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. I'm like, oh, I heard it before, you know. But he would tell me faithfully about the cross, 
to forgive my sins and cleanse me from my past. He would tell me about the power of the Holy Spirit that would indwell me mysteriously, but he would say, you, you know, you can receive God himself in his Holy Spirit and, and receive new power uh, to do the things that you say you want to do, but you can't seem to do them. You can receive God and his power and become transformed and have new desires for your heart, new desires in your mind. Uh, he'll, he'll put you on a new path. And he'll tell me about the spirit for living. And he'll tell me about the, the, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead with power for eternal life. And he'd, he'd sort of lay it out there just like I'm trying to lay it out to you. And he'd say, what do you think, Andrew? Believe in him. Receive him. I can help you. I'll lead you. And I'm so sad to say, time and time again, I resisted and rejected that offer. But he never gave up. I mean, he would sick people like you guys after me, and I'd see you coming. He would write me books. Like, he wrote like 60 books, Jonathan knows. Like, 60 books or more, and half of them, I think, is because he like, ran out of stuff to give me, you know? And he's like, i got to write another book and give it to that kid. And he'd send me the books, and I'd look at them, and I'd, I would always feel kind of, like, convicted, you know? Like, man, I, I think there, there's truth to this, but I'll deal with it later. I'm sad to say I did that over and over. They never gave up. Finally, in 1993, I was living at this time in Boston, Massachusetts, and it was February 1993, freezing cold, colder than Oregon even, two feet of snow. My dad calls me and he's like, son, we're having one of these big Christian gatherings. That's what we do, these big festivals, we call them, uh, where the churches are all together. He's like, we're having this festival. We thought you might want to come. And I was like, uh, not my idea of a holiday, dad. Thanks anyway. That's okay. And he's like, that's okay. We just thought you might be interested because this one's in Jamaica. And I was like, oh, Jamaica, huh? Hmm. Maybe, maybe I can figure something out, you know? So I'm like, oh, this is good. And I'm thinking about red striped beer, on the beach, get some sun. I know how to handle this Christian thing. But my parents had been so kind to me, and I had this freedom and love for them to say easily, like, of course, I'll be there. And I threw in, if you get me a Marlin fishing trip, because I love fishing, so I'm such a selfish punk. And I was like, I'm sure my dad was like, oh my gosh, this guy's driving me crazy. So lo and behold, he gets me the Marlin fishing trip and I'm on my way out there and I'm thinking about the things I'm thinking about, but God had other plans for me. I didn't have it in my mind. Like when I'm coming out here, I really got to get this thing settled. But as I went out there and I was in that place, there were thousands of people around and there was my dad preaching and I heard that same message I had heard a thousand times, but it was for me in that moment. And God answered their prayers and he softened my heart and he opened up my eyes in a new way to take seriously what was being put forward to me, that God loved me that I was in a perilous situation. And I began to realize like, this is for real. Like you're a mess. And I had a great mask that I wore for the world to see. Everything's fine with Andrew. Don't worry about him. He's got a job, graduated from university. He's doing fine. It was not fine. If you would have asked me about eternity back then, I would have said something like, I would have thrown some philosophical pseudo-intellectual baloney at you that I didn't even understand. But I knew like, if I kind of pushed it hard enough, it would like, you'd back away and just leave me alone, right? But I knew what my eternal situation was. When I was sober, which was not that often, but whenever I found myself sober in my bed at night, I knew what was happening related to eternity. 
And that's no surprise because the Word of God says, God says, I've written eternity on the hearts of all people. And I knew it, but I had the mask, and I was like going through life, wasting years and days. My parents, they never gave up. They brought me to that place, and in that moment, I heard that call, and I just went for it. Like, I took a step of faith. I didn't understand it all. There's a lot that I didn't understand. I was afraid. But I was like, I need this. And I just took a step of faith. I said, God, if you're real, will you please forgive me? Just as he promises. He says, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and I'm able to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The cross of Jesus Christ for that work of dealing with my past. I asked him to do it and he did it healed me of my addictions, began to put new desires in my heart. And I'm not perfect, but he's changed me. The past is gone, and I have a new day, new power to, to be transformed. You know, one of the things that God did in my life is he's made me faithful to my wife, faithful to my children. Like, I got, I got we all got issues and stuff, you know, but like, I never thought I could become a Christian because I thought... I've gone too far. I have destroyed my life. These patterns of corruption in my heart and my behavior is too far gone. I'll never be married God's way. That was one little particular lie that the enemy had really gotten into my heart. You'll never be married God's way. You've failed. You're a, you're a waste, and you've destroyed so many lives in regards to this. But he transformed my life, and he's made me. And I got a long way to go. Like, we got to get to the finish line. Amen? But I wanted to give you some illustrations of the kind of transformation you can hope for in your life. The past dealt with a new day for your future today and the promise of eternity with him as pictured in that beautiful coming again of God in Jesus Christ. So it's a beautiful, a beautiful picture. I want you to review Revelation 21, 1 through 8 and, and consider it deeply. But Today, you may feel really ready, like, these are the things I've been desiring and I've wanted to know. And if, if, I, if you're saying what I need to do is believe and receive and take a step of faith, I'm willing to do it today. I want to encourage you about these things. Uh, two passages and then your opportunity comes, okay? The first passage is in John 14, 1 to 3. Jesus had 12 guys that he hung around with all the time, intimate, close friends, and he was teaching them and training them and helping them to understand these things. And what he found with these guys is they were very concerned about eternity. And if you're here today, you might say, I want to do that, but I'm, I'm kind of concerned about eternity. Let me read from you in John 14, 1 to 3, um, what Jesus said to them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Are you troubled today about this issue of eternity? He says to you today, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. It says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Settle it today. 
And if you're wondering, how secure can I be about this? 1 John 5 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He doesn't want you wishing or wondering or feeling up and down about it, crossing your fingers. He said, you can know that you have eternal life if you feel God calling you. Uh, respond to him, okay? Just like if I was calling you or knocking at your door, you got a decision to make. Am I going to open the door or am I going to leave the door shut, right? Revelation 3, way back to Revelation 3, same book. He says, behold, which just means here I am, basically. It's like someone at your door, I'm here, right? He says, behold, here I am. I stand at your door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into them. And he says this, I will eat with them and they with me. Which is kind of weird, like, what? You're talking about eternal things, now you're talking about eating with me? It's, be it's because he's trying to paint a picture of what's happening when you receive him and eternal life. Is There's that big picture issue of eternity, but it's also that day-to-day. -day. I just want to be with you. I want to eat with you. I want to live with you. I want to be with you day by day in a personal relationship. Me and you from now to eternity. Don't wait another day. If you feel him, maybe you've been feeling like a knocking on the door of your heart or a, a call or a drawing. The Bible says no one comes unless God the Father draws them. If he's been drawing you, don't resist him because you have the choice and an opportunity to resist him once again. And I am begging you, like maybe I didn't do a good job of convincing you, but I'm begging you then instead, right? I'm urging you, don't resist him any longer. Give your heart and your life to him today. Let him come in. You hear him knocking? Let's give you this chance to respond now. Let's pray. And your response will be this. Just talk to him. He's calling you. He's knocking at the door. Turn. He's not far. He's near, the Bible says. He's not far from you. He's near to you. He's right there. If you turn, you're going you're gonna to face him. He says, behold, here I am. You hear him knocking. I could lead you in a prayer of response. And you can just say, if you feel it in your heart, let me lead you. And even if you feel it, you could say it out loud to just respond and say, Heavenly Father, I do believe in you. Thank you for paying the penalty I should have paid when you died on the cross, forgiving my sins, I'm asking you to forgive me. Please forgive me. Clean me out and give me a fresh start. Thank you for forgiving me. I believe in you and I receive you. I receive you now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come in and take over. Thank you for coming in. I need power. I haven't had it before. Thank you for coming in. I receive you. And thank you for heaven 
my home. Thank you for making me your child and heaven my home. And I will never fear death again because now I know that when I die or when you come again, and we're so expectant of it, Lord, come. But until that day, I will never fear death because heaven is my home. And now use me. I want to know my purpose. And I want to serve you with the gifts that you've given me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Beautiful, amen. Give him a hand. He deserves it. Well, one more thing. I told you I've been praying for you. And I want to ask you, if you gave your heart to the Lord, or maybe you wandered away, but today you say, I'm coming back. I want to walk in these things. If you prayed that prayer, I want to know. Because I want to rejoice with you. And we deserve it, right? We want to know. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand and hold it high. Let me see. Anybody here? Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah. I'll give a minute. Wave at me so I can make sure and see you. Anybody else? Even if something else is happening in your life and it's radical and you say, I've known him in the past. That's not a, nobody wants to categorize you, but we do want to rejoice with you. If you pray that prayer, God's doing something spectacular in your life and he's done it today. You prayed that prayer, just wave it at me. One more chance to just, it's kind of awkward, but I, I don't mind. Hope you don't. Okay. If you prayed, you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't feel it, don't worry. I got a little secret. When I gave my heart to the Lord at that stadium in Kingston, Jamaica, I didn't raise my hand or go forward. What a punk. <laughs> but I made you to do it anyway, but I think it's good for you to do it. It's good to take a bold step for Jesus, and, and I did that in my own way, ultimately, and I want you to do that. It's critical. It, it's personal, ultimately personal between you and God, but it's not private. We're not meant to live this privately. Part of the move to baptism is to say, I'm joining the family of God. I'm not going to do it alone. The old is gone. The new has come. And part of the new is that we stick together and we encourage each other and we need each other. And that's one of the reasons I am urging you to take a step. If you prayed, come and stand with us on either side as a baptism come. I'd love to pray with you. My wife will pray, others. So Evan will take us further, but no, that's my appeal to you. We'd love to talk to you or at least tell the friend who brought you. Okay, promise? You're not off the hook yet. Okay, here comes Evan. <laughs>